Welcome to Business Unmuted, the business podcast for the northeast of England, sponsored by Virtue Motors, one of the UK's largest motor retailers. Check out their website at virtuemotors.com. Your usual host, Graeme Robb, is busy chairing a panel for the Entrepreneurs Forum today and has kindly asked me to step in for him. I'm Nikki Jolly. My business, HR Today, works with a huge range of clients in the kind of sector, in all kinds of sectors. Um, so I've gained some amazing insights over the years into how different businesses and sectors operate. And I'm looking forward to hearing more from the guests today, who I've got Jenny Smith, founder of Netco, Netno, sorry, um, which helps people with businesses to network smarter. Bianca Robinson, CEO of See Your Sleep Out, a national charity which inspires business communities to fight homelessness, and Martin Pullen, a partner of FRP Advisory LLP, who is a business rescue expert. So thank you all for joining us today. Um, we've got quite a few exciting topics to discuss this evening. One of the things that I'd like to talk about is um, lots of large companies at the moment have recently been you know, making job cuts. For example, British Steel, Sainsbury's, Tesco's, just to name a few of the larger companies, the household names that we've all heard of. Um, so how can businesses do a restructure um, and require, and what should they do for employers who work with, and for the staff that are staying? I think the key is, how do they work with the different people and how they support both the people that are staying and that are going when it comes to a restructure? So Martin, as a business rescue expert, can I ask you your thoughts on this topic? Yeah, I mean, it, it's um, it's never easy considering taking any steps to cut the workforce, um, particularly within the Tees Valley region. We've got a lot of SMEs and many small businesses are, are families. And the you know whether it be a small business or a big a big business, it's a difficult message to deliver. The work we do, it will you know the reason those decisions are being made because uh, are because you know economically and financially the business can no longer support the workforce, and it's having to make the difficult decisions to uh, to change their structure to reduce staffing numbers for the good of the business as a whole um, at the moment we are in an you know it's interesting times we have a uh, labor crisis in the UK not through redundancy but through a lack of resource you know we have uh, I mean the workforce inactivity I think is half a million greater than it was pre-pandemic we're in a situation where um, you know we've got I would say largely full employment there is a skills gap for many sectors. You know, one of the main reasons businesses are talking to us at the moment, alongside you know inflationary pressures on business, um, uh, energy prices, etc., is a, a challenge recruiting the staff uh, or the quality of staff they need. Um, so, it's a difficult message to receive at the moment. But one of the things we do, and I'm sure many businesses will do as well as they should, is to support their staff with looking for new roles, try and connect them with businesses recruiting. There are lots of roles available at the moment. We put on um, uh, sort of uh, jobs fairs, typically around, uh, you know, larger insolvencies so that we can bring as many employers as possible to speak to those staff right at that difficult time to try and find them new roles as, po uh, as soon as possible. So I think, yes, it's difficult and it's challenging, but businesses have to think about about the greater good, as it were, if it, uh, changes need to happen, you know, they've got to press on and do them properly with appropriate HR advice, of course. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, there's an opportunity for businesses if they're taking those steps to really support the staff through the next stage. Because for us, it's the, there's a lot of mental health 
challenges, issues that come alongside any major change in life, and, and losing your losing your job and uh, you know your 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 sort of your social structure around work can be massive for people. Absolutely, thank you for that. And it's so true. I mean, it, it is devastating to lose your job. But what I would say is it's a good time in the sense there are other jobs out there. And I think what, you know, from a HR point of view is, first of all, employers need to do it properly. Some of them panic. They don't know what to do. They're not sure how best to approach redundancies. And there is so much help out there for people that they can help to do it right. And the key is not to panic, not to rush, but have respect for their employees, whether they're staying or going realize that that in itself will cause them pressures um, but you're so right in that companies are willing to come and work with companies now that are losing staff because they're desperate to recruit the right people yeah. and I think one of the biggest downfalls people have got is doing those transferable skills and realizing what they can offer to other companies they might have worked there for so long that they just think I can only do that job and that's so not true there is so much help out there now for people. So key for me is do it right, talk to people and just take your time. Um, Bianchi, you've got so much business experience. Is there anything that you would add to the, the process of restructuring? Yeah, I think no employer or manager um, wants to take that decision to let their staff go. I know businesses are, are facing the toughest of years. You know, after the last couple of years we've had this year, it just hasn't got any brighter for business with interest rates and electricity, gas rates soaring, and they do have to take those tough decisions. But from where I come, oh, the, the standpoint I come from is this idea about responsible business and morale, losing morale and um, uh, not nurturing the culture in the business could actually be really detrimental to that business. What you want to do is make sure that the employees that are staying don't lose morale, that you bring them along with you, that you share your vision and your strategy and your reasons for that, your value system, um, where you want to be, the, 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 the kind of mission that you're on. Share that with your employees and bring them with you. You know, get them to buy in to what you're trying to do as a collective, as a whole, because each employee there is one tiny unit of the whole driving it forward. And, you know, you want them to do the best they can for themselves, but also for you. And the only way to do that is to make sure that they are well looked after, that they understand the decisions that you're making and why, why those tough decisions have to be made um, and that they're going to be valued going forward. Because really, it's a you're treating a you're walking a tightrope when you when you you have to cut employees and somebody who they've relied on suddenly was there one day and not and not the next. And if you don't communicate the why, you're in big trouble. Absolutely. And yeah. the skills gap as well. I would agree with that. Sorry, Martin, were you going to say something there? I was just going to say, I think you're right to comment on those that remain. I think many of the businesses that we help through restructuring where we've been in and out and no one knows we've been there is they're focused on how are they going to deliver the message? How are they going to make the, the choices? Taking through the consultation process properly and openly, you know, and see if there are any opportunities to save roles, job shares. But I think if I could give any advice to them, it would be spend more time thinking about how that's going to affect the colleagues that are left, how they feel about their job. You know, we are in a situation where there is a skills gap. Um, you know, it will not be easy to replace some of those key staff that stay if they were to think, oh, I'm a bit uncertain about our future. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. That communication, it's, it's just as important with those that are going to support them as, as it is to support those that are staying. It's all right. Staff retention is key, even though you're actually losing people at the same time. So, yeah, thank you for that. So, Jenny, um, obviously, 
expert in networking and how to get in front of the right people, really, to make sure that people can be helped. So if people find themselves looking for work, um, how can networking help them? But also, how can it help employers who are looking to grow and are struggling to recruit? Yeah. So for me, networking, obviously, what usually when we think about networking, it's like a business development tool and it's amazing for that. But a lot of the, the work that I do is actually around networking for career progression. Um, so most jobs, as we know, aren't advertised, they're fulfilled through networks, relationships that people already have, whether that's internal or external. And I think when you find yourself, or if you find yourself in that position where you've been let go, it can be, you know, as everyone said, it can be really devastating. And that can affect mental, emotional health. But that's where we turn to our networks for that support. So that's the first instance I think networking is really valuable. But I, I mean, I geek out about networking. I'm doing my PhD <laughs> on networking, so I'm researching networks. And the most valuable thing that networks give us is access to knowledge. So it's this, you know, encouraging, I think, encouraging people to go out and have conversations and talk to people because that's where they're going to find out about opportunities that they didn't know existed. They're potentially going to find out about completely new sectors. Like you said before, people have maybe worked in the same business for like 20 years and they didn't know what else was out there. So literally going out, having a coffee and talking to people to find out what's going on, new exciting opportunities. A lot of people I think will probably find themselves in a position where they maybe want to start their own businesses. Um, so people who get that opportunity, they've maybe you know, been made redundant, take it as an opportunity to maybe fulfill a passion or a dream or an idea that you've had. And again, going out networking to speak to other entrepreneurs, find out, access the knowledge on how to do that. That's a fantastic opportunity as well. But I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, what Bianca was saying about those people that are left behind and those internal networks, mm. you know, taking out a lot of those people that they've maybe relied upon or they're used to having there. It completely shifts the culture of the, of the organisation and because that's made up of the people. And I think you throw in the fact that a lot of us are working remotely now. Mm-hmm. That, that culture can easily become diluted if you lose people and you lose time spent in the same office together, then so people suddenly are, they're practically self-employed, you know, they've got a salary coming in, but they're working on their own from the house, it's isolating, and then that company culture gets lost as well, which can be even harder to recover from big losses of, of staff. So I think for the employers who have got the, those teams that they've kept on, it's important to have that communication, but also to encourage those internal networks to be rebuilt. And that's across departments as well as, you know, in in little clusters as well. Really interesting concept, internally networked yeah. as well. But one question I've always wanted to ask is, I do business development through networking yeah, and things yeah. like that, but where would you recommend people find the best networking for them? Where do you go? Everyone asks this, like, where should I network? And it completely depends on what you want to get from networking. If it's access to knowledge, network with people that know things that you don't know. So look outside your area of expertise, and I call that network diversity. So HR expert, you could probably benefit from networking with people who maybe work in technology or you know different sectors mm-hmm. that you can add value to, but also you can learn from so you can make more strategic decisions around your business and learn things that you can then apply to your own organization. If you want to network for business development, it's thinking rather than looking at events that you're attracted to, i.e. they've got the good food or the free booze <laughs> or whatever it is that you like or works in your schedule, thinking about who your target market are, 
and figuring where out where go. they're going to be. Yeah, yeah, essentially. And that can either be online, you know, networking online, it's come into its own since lockdown. And you can network and build relationships with anyone in the world. So if you, if your target market was in a different city, you wanted to expand the business, start networking online with hosts that are based in that city and you'll build networks there. Obviously, if it's in person, you want to build those more um, intimate relationships, then look, look geographically local and look at the criteria of the network itself, the host, and then obviously the criteria of the event itself. But that's, give me a few years till I get my PhD done. That's literally what I'm researching. And I'll come back and I'll tell you all about it. Fantastic. I mean, Bianca, obviously your whole role is all about networking and getting people to sleep in the cold. (laughs) But, you know, how can... (laughs) I know one day you will get me. I know that. Um, What would you add to here for people looking for work and how networking can help? And yeah, I think networking is so, so much more than um, business development. I mean, for me, in the 20 odd years I've been in the Tees Valley sort of networks in the business world, um, it's been support, it's been inspiration, it's been challenge, it's been um, encouragement, and it's, it's, it's helped me to find my tribe. You know, and so I've got a network of business people that no matter what sort of role I might pop up and do, because I have done several different roles in my career throughout the last 20 years. I'm in the kind of role that was made for me right now. But, but you know, I know that the, that the people um, I've invested in and, and, and likewise, you know, it's that mutual thing over the years will sort of try and find ways to help me if they can. And, and, and likewise, I'll do the same for them. So it's been a really rich um, experience networking in this particular area for me and what you were just saying there is so right now the world's grown so much smaller in terms of who you can network with because of the zoom and um, the virtual meetings so so yeah I think networking for all kinds of ways just adds value to your life at, in business um, but also as a person you know it's that personal development it's that co- developing your connections you just you know I think in business I don't know where I would be without the networking work that I put in now CEO sleep how <laughs> you know you mentioned Nikki yes we will get you <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but it is the most unbelievable networking experience I mean we are there it is a business event with a twist which is to raise big money to fight homelessness and to support people and families you know, on the brink of poverty or, 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 or destitution. But actually, it is a business event. It is a networking opportunity. And it's like no other, because what happens is you are sitting there <laughs> rubbing shoulders with people who you never thought you'd be in a room with in a million years. You know, these quite high level people often um, at three in the morning with their corporate veneers just gone so the guards completely down they're just their genuine real selves the conversations that you can have are just phenomenal and um and I think people wake up the next morning and go wow <laughs> well, <I laughs> I had a real genuinely brilliant experience because of that's one of the many reasons why they'll they'll feel good when they sort of leave a CEO sleep out I speak to loads of people who just highly recommend it, just for so many reasons. I did you it know. a few years ago, and it's gangster, like it's rough. But <laughs> I, totally, I totally recommend it, and you, you are right. It bonds you with people, that shared experience. That you would it's never, like never have met. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the key. Yeah. Have you ever done it, Martin? 
I haven't. I have uh, no many people that have and say great things about it. Uh, but no, I haven't committed as yet. But uh, <laughs> your time is going to come. In. Telling yes. you, <laughs> she's very persuasive. <laughs> Nobody well, escapes. Nobody well, escapes. But no, like I say, it, it is a phenomenal thing. I don't promise anyone a good night's sleep. But to be fair, you know. I'm a mother of twins who are now 23, so I've never had good night's sleeps in my entire life. And I think all of us can can tough it out for just one night, you know, and to unlock that awareness and understanding and empathy for what people actually do go through. It, it's invaluable. Yeah. It's an amazing experience. I always say you could change somebody's life, but quite often the life that's changed is the person that's taken part. Yes. Because they start to think about society in a different way and their role in it. Absolutely. Martin, just touching briefly on networking, because I, I do think it affects yeah. everybody for many reasons. You know, what would you say about networking, either personally or advice to others? Yeah, I mean, hugely important for us. So if you imagine we are, we're here to advise businesses that have got a problem, whether mm. it be they are looking to, uh, they, you know, they've, they've got challenge restructuring or they've got issues with their customers, with their clients, renegotiating in very stif- difficult situations. Um, but we don't directly target, reach out to these customers. We rely on their trusted uh, business partners, their professional advisors, often their friends who are also business leaders from elsewhere to know us, to trust us and recommend us. So ultimately networking for us, like many businesses, uh, you know, it's, I think who you know gives you an opportunity, how you deliver and what you're capable of delivering will mean those opportunities keep coming back. So for us, it's building the relationships of trust with those that surround businesses, those that advise businesses, because, you know, a referral to anybody, I think, of a, you know, in terms of from a networking situation is quite high risk because mm. you kind of, you're putting your reputation on the line yeah. alongside somebody else that you've got no totally. control over at the outcome. And you can make damn sure that if it doesn't go well, it'll come back to you. Oh, so, if I ever recommend a restaurant, I'm like, I take that very seriously. <laughs> Never mind anything else. But if someone asks for a good restaurant recommendation, there's a spreadsheet getting built. It's colour coordinated, <laughs> hyperlinked. But, but you're so but it, right, Martin. Yeah. But then, you know, networking, it's not just the people in the room, which are hugely important, but it's every person in that room has got their own black book, their own network. And, you know, you build the right relationships, which you've got to do over a period of time, you know, when the younger colleagues think, oh, I'm going to go to these events and I'm going to come back with two or three contacts and it's going to happen straight away. It isn't. A lot of the time, it's, you know, we're, we're finding out about the people that are in the room. It's the first date scenario. Do we like them? Don't we like them? What are their interests? And I like it when it naturally comes on to, and, you know, and what do you do? You know, so make me interested in you first. And then if I'm interested, then we'll we'll talk Take a little bit more. Stage. We'll deepen the relationship. But, uh, but yeah, networking, massively important, particularly for a region like us where, we are quite decentralised. You know, there isn't one street like there is in Manchester, London, well, not quite London, uh, Leeds, Newcastle, that everyone will congregate from certain community, you know, business sectors at one time. We've got to make the effort to go to the events and network ourselves. Brilliant. I think we could talk all night about networking because, <laughs> to be honest, it, it's just fascinating and there's so many facets to it. But, Bianca, I'm going to come back to you um, briefly. on the. It's your 10th anniversary of CEO Sleepout. Um, tell us what you're going to do to mark this occasion and don't frighten us that we won't come and do it. <laughs> well, we're going back to where it all began. So I was at the very first one 10 years ago. I had my arm twisted by Andy Preston, who set it up. He set it up um, in his role at the Teesside and Middlesbrough Philanthropic Foundation, which is now Teesside Charity. So we've teamed up with Teesside Charity again. A lot of people think we're, we're still the same 
organization, but CEO Sleep Up became its own charity in 2014. Wow. Um, but we count our 10 years back from that very first Sleep Out at the Riverside in Middlesbrough, which raised £37,000 from our big-hearted business leadership community right across Teesside. Um, and so I'm bringing some of the original gangsters, the OGs, back. Um, uh, people like Alistair Waits coming back, Joe Fryatt's back, loads of people who did the original uh, CEO Sleep Out in 2013 are coming back. We got snowed on on that very first night. It was absolutely bitter. And I did say to Andy, I said, look, I said, that was great, but, you know, I'm done. No, don't stop. <laughs> I'm never doing don't, one of those, don't ever ask me again. Um, and so here I am nearing my, I think, 65th or something sleep out. Wow. But um, I think what people can expect is a night, an unforgettable experience, really. You know, they'll just you dust off your sleeping bag, bring a roll mat, bring a pillow, bring lots of warm layers. Um, but there's going to be a hundred of us there on the night, wow. all doing the right thing, raising big money. We'll hear from our amazing charity partners, the Teesside Charity and the Middlesbrough um, Football Club MFC Foundation. But also money is going to be distributed far and wide to some of those grassroots organisations like Recovery Connection, Track UK, Footprints in the Community, the White Feather Project, the Moses Project. There's loads of charities that will benefit from the great um, work that we do and the funds that we raise. Um, we are allowed to have fun. This is not about sitting there, you know, pretending to be a rough sleeper. This is just to give you that inkling and that sort of window into the world. You know, we are allowed to have a laugh, have fun. We do say no alcohol. <laughs> Middlesbrough has been known to get slightly out of hand from time to time, but, but that's why we've got a blanket no alcohol um, kind of caveat on it. But it doesn't mean that people don't have those amazing conversations. And and we are and in terms of celebrating it, I hope we can smash 50 grand this oh, year. I'm, I'm hoping you will. I'm sure you will. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. So I'd like to thank my guests, Martin Pullman, Bianca Robinson and Jenny Smith for an excellent discussion. I think we could have spoke all night. So thank you for that. I'm Nikki Jolly from HR Today. Graham will be back next week, I'm afraid to say, but hopefully I'll get back on soon. Um, he'll be back on Business Unmuted at 5pm next Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you.